right. Uh, hey guys, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Stripped Away podcast. I am glad to see you. Um, I skipped a month in September, so if you wondered why you didn't get a notification, I, I was sick. And I just decided to wait until October. So I'm thrilled that you're with us, and I am uh, thrilled to have my guest, Blake Hamill. Hi, Blake. Hey there, Tammy. Oh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes, you're welcome. And I want to uh, just introduce Blake to you. Blake is the outreach director for a place here in Murfreesboro called Renewed Life Ministries. Uh, and it is a residential Christ-based program. And I, Blake and I were talking in the other room about how long I have known him. And I have known him for... 26 years Mm -hmm. so I promised you guys that I would bring people on who had a story and whose lives have been they've been through the fire and they are trusting God for the outcome and Blake is one of those people so I just want you to if you will just introduce yourself a little bit to us and let people get to know you a bit sure thing yeah um name's Blake Hamill and uh, I'm actually born raised here in Murfreesboro um I'm a Christ follower. I have brown hair, hazel eyes. <laughs> That's about the thick of it. That's me. That is, that is <laughs> you. He does have brown hair and hazel eyes. Yes. Um, I want you to just talk a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about just our time together. I'll start that out. We traced it back literally 26 years ago. I met Blake when he was eight years old. Blake, tell a little bit about our journey together. If you, if you can remember, you can remember it more than I can remember it. Sure thing. So it all started with uh, my parents started me off on some medication called Ritalin. Uh, A lot of people back in that time uh, know about that drug and that drug made me especially aggressive. And I think my parents didn't really know what to do because they wanted to medicate me for the ADHD. But man, I was off the rails, uh, angry and uh, reactive explosively. And so I went to counseling with you and all I can recall is going to Smyrna, Tennessee, sitting down watching Berenstein Bears and parents talking to you in the other room. And that's about it. That is what I remember. When when you mentioned the Bernstein Bears, I'm like, oh, I remember that. Hell, I'm sure it had a lasting impact on you. Uh, I remember they were bears. I remember the bears. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, I want you to tell us a little bit more. I, I want to know about, um, I want people to hear about your story a little bit about, tell, take us on past eight years old into high school and some of those things. And just tell us a little bit about the journey that you have been on um, in your own life. Absolutely. So uh, my journey uh, continuing after eight years old, um, pretty normal household. I've always grown up in a supportive, loving affectionate household every night i was told about my my parents they loved me um they read the bible to me mm-hmm. uh they were interactive we, i played sports um you know i was artistic uh they always supported that uh, hobby of mine they take me to art you know classes to refine my skills did the same with my brother he would tag along he's artistic as well and um and then fast forward a little bit to adolescence uh, I really started to exhibit uh, aggression uh, 
uh, isolation, depression, anxiety, um, just a lot of affliction that comes with being an adolescent. Right. But I noticed it was a little bit more severe than most other kids at least showed on the outside. Mm -hmm. So um, all the feelings that I resonated with on the inside, I didn't know what to do with. So at that time, I turned to cutting. I turned to isolation, uh, pseudocidal thoughts. um, And I just didn't feel like anyone else understood because I wasn't willing to talk about it. Talk about why, you know, I think it's interesting that you share, you know, that we kind of have a, this may be a side note, but it's on my heart right now. We have sort of a mentality that when we start to struggle as adolescents or we see people struggling that it it must be something terrible in their life that it happened. And sometimes it is, but to talk about having a very supportive family. But Blake, where do you think that came from? The, the, The anger, the aggression, the... And then, if you'll talk about maybe just not want to talk about it. Mm, yeah. So, I, I can never put my finger on it as a kid. Um, you know, as I said, my outlet was drawing. Um, I was mm. big into art. And I recall this one photo that I drew one day, and it had me in the forefront with my head down to where you couldn't see my face, um, just to show that I was oppressed and I was downtrodden and behind me was this dark figure um, that was looming in the background Mm. you know always on my back and that's how I've always felt um, a spiritual oppression um, a looming darkness that would just hover over me Mm. Um, and at that time I didn't have a healthy way of evading that or um, coping with that. I didn't turn to the Lord. I didn't trust the Lord because I felt like if I was in church, around church people, and I didn't feel what they felt, maybe I was the outcast. Maybe it was just ineffective for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that that lie really took Mm -hmm. root. And uh, I ran with it 100 miles per hour. Mm Tell us, if you will, oh man, there's so much there, right? Looking around and seeing everybody doing fine, or maybe your perception is they're doing fine and you feeling like you're not okay. Oh, so many of us feel that. And then we just hold it all inside. Mm-hmm. T- tell us about uh, tell us about into adolescence and when things begin to get um, more difficult for you. Well, I remember... Age 13, I think I got drunk the first time, Um, and it wasn't a happy story. It kind of set the tone for what addiction would look like later on down the road. Mm -hmm. But uh, I remember getting a bottle of Bacardi Superior rum, filling it to about 16 ounces, Mm -hmm. and just guzzling it alone. Nobody there, nobody to pressure me. I just wanted to feel different. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got real drunk, threw up. (laughs) (laughs) to be uh, be honest to be honest yeah Yeah. and uh, and from there I kind of just looked for different ways avenues to escape just like any adolescent um, huffing and you know isolation cutting and just really experimenting with avenues of escape for that and um, you know later on down the road you know 
most people's stories are very similar. You find people who have drugs, you use mm-hmm. drugs, and then you really go down the rabbit hole to figure out, you know, what drug is going to fix me. Yes. Which um, everybody's story is also the same. There is no drug to fix you. It is a temporary numbing. Right. Um, it'll change the way you think, but it also holds you in bondage, and it will never satisfy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, indeed. Blake, where did you get to a place where it hit the wall? Where you, uh, want you talk a little bit about Renewed Life? You have such a story there, not just as the outreach director, but as someone who's been so moved and affected by the program. Would you take us up into that space of just share with us how it, how that, that, where the test was and where it broke a little bit? Sure. Yeah. My story um, is going to contain a loaded answer for your question. So um, I hit a couple of walls, hit a couple of rock bottoms, and there's Mm -hmm. a funny saying, you know, if you think you've hit rock bottom, there's always a basement Um, Mm -hmm. in which, you know, first uh, real rock bottom I hit was I was in a major car wreck. Um, I was on a lot of substances and a lot of alcohol and I think I was visiting my parents at their house. I was living in a fraternity house at the time and rolled my Jeep three times, busted through a big um, brick mailbox, and my car uh, pinned my arm against a tree for an hour. Mm. And so um, I have my humerus crushed into seven different pieces in which I'm incredibly blessed. It's a miracle I have mm. my arm because it could have cut it off. Right. You know, the entire car leaning on someone's arm against the tree um and um i was life flighted to vanderbilt you know i broke my neck in two places uh, punctured a lung busted my teeth out had glass coming out of my head for at least 10 days Mm. and um that one really shook me but there was no core belief change there was no belief that i'm gonna rise from the ashes i'm gonna overcome this Uh, I can't do this anymore in fact I recall my feelings um, being the exact same but exacerbated because I was just um, so upset with myself for letting myself uh, go down that that path and and receive those consequences I remember being at the trauma unit at Vanderbilt and there's a huge line of people to come to see me and my initial thought was why'd they waste their time Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I wish I could say my story ended there and that I learned my lesson, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, it threw prescription pain pills on it and it got worse. Okay. Yeah. So when you say all those people were there to see you, in other words, you weren't worthy of any of that. Absolutely not. They came to see a lost cause in my eyes. funny how God works, huh? Yeah. Wow. It's funny how God works. Takes the most broken messes that we make and does the most incredible things. Ooh. Makes me emotional to look at you now and see what God's done. Um, tell us more. Take us on past that to where you uh, found that place where you did begin to change, where it really began to change for you. Absolutely. So... Um, I hit what would be my last rock bottom, and um, at this point, there's uh, there's a gap of I think 
four years here, um, things got better. Thing, things got excessively worse. It was like one step forward, three steps back. Yeah. Um, at this point, I had moved to Nashville, and um, I was using alcohol and cocaine every single day, all day long, um, which alcohol for me um, wasn't necessarily... Uh, self-medication or an earlier addiction it was more of a party but it got so bad that there was 9 a.m. the liquor store opened and I was there Um, and uh, I I started to support my habit which got excessively worse I started stealing from work and it got to a point where um, I wanted to be caught I wanted it to end but I my flesh wouldn't let go yeah. my you know spirit was willing but my flesh was incredibly weak so i felt like i was in this duality of someone help me but let's see how far this can go at the same time yes. um and i recall one special day i went into work um and my manager came in and he was not there often and there's two police officers right behind him and I knew exactly what was about to happen. And I was incredibly scared, but incredibly relieved. Mm. They took me to the back, and on a piece of paper, they had um, a number uh, of how much they had been watching me uh, steal from the store. And there was an agreement at the bottom of that piece of paper saying if I did not pay that back, I was going to go to prison, and they were going to prosecute me. And, oh, man, show me the dotted line. <laughs> You're going to sign that. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. And I signed it. I was so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm too pretty for prison, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I, uh, I was like, give me an opportunity, um, which, you know, at that time sounded great. But as I walked away from that scenario, reality hit. For the last three months that I've been on this bender, I haven't even been able to pay rent. Yes. How am I supposed to pay off $1,500? You know, it doesn't seem like a, a huge number now, but back then... It was. That was huge. Yeah. And there's no way I'm asking my parents for that. You know, as much as money they spent on me and my addiction bailing me out, it, this wasn't an option. So um, I, I tried to end my own life. Um, I went to a Walgreens in Nashville and uh, I looked in their store for some razor blades and they were completely out, um, which that was a God thing. And uh, but the only thing I had was a knife and I tried to uh, cut my arm and it was a pretty dull knife. Um, and I made some severe um, damage in my arm and um, I was sitting there bleeding. Uh, excuse me for the graphic details, but... Um, you know, at, at a point, I, I got to the point where I started getting a little lightheaded from loss of blood. And um, Holy Spirit spoke to me that this is not it. And I called my mom. She was always the one to bail me out. The last person I wanted to talk to is my dad because dad was just, you know, I had worn him thin. And mom just had hmm. more love, not more love, but more affection. Mm-hmm. And she was able she was able to enable me better than my dad. <laughs> Which yeah. wasn't a good thing. No, but mama's uh, yeah. But uh, 
it wasn't happening this time. I called her and she says, I don't know what to do for you. I can't do it anymore. You got to go to someone else. Um, so she called, um, who's now my, my sponsor. And he told me at that time, it was about like maybe 7 PM at night, uh, should have been maybe July or August. And, uh, he, he tells me even to this day, I didn't want to come. I didn't want to help you, but the Holy Spirit told me to come and obey. He was watching his favorite football game or something. And he picked me up and I was probably not the most delightful person to be with because I was real drunk, um, probably lightheaded from the loss of blood and, and probably smelled bad. I didn't have AC in my, my Honda. And I, uh, I remember him taking me to Burger King and he fed me a meal and I think I ate his meal too because I was just so hungry. Um, he found me a place to stay for a couple of weeks and uh, one of those people that allowed me to stay at their home ended up telling me about Renewed Life Ministries. He said, this is where you need to go and I really didn't ask that many questions. I knew it was a year long. I knew it was Christian. Uh, I knew it had structure right. and I knew that's exactly what I needed. And so I called him up and um they said i'd pray about it you know that was derek the former director then he told me to pray about it and at that time i thought that was crazy because i'm like i'm couch surfing and i'm i'm homeless like pray about it <laughs> come on yeah. and so i prayed about it you know i was desperate and um in two weeks being homeless and just living from couch to couch because you know not everybody will let me stay at their house very long i uh i was able to come in and um i was just a kid i was 25 and mm. i i didn't know what i wanted i just knew that it, i knew what i needed mm -hmm. and he would remind me every day like a boy does what he wants, a man does what he needs to. And so that's what I focused on. Mm. And what a journey, and I'm sure we'll, we'll expand on that too. Yeah, yeah, wow. You know, I have so much emotion in my mind, and so many, I mean, in my heart and my mind, thinking about it and just watching you and listening to you. What a journey, right? Oh, wow, yeah. What a journey. I'm sitting here squirming about it because reliving yeah. all that, it's like, it's like recalling a dead man yeah and and still that dead man i i understand what he went through but i no longer identify with it um so it's almost like i'm talking about someone else and yeah it's just eerie it's uh it's funny you say that because um uh, there's a song out i just heard it i don't know if you've heard it it's called manasseh and uh, it's the most amazing song. And apparently in the Bible, Jacob, and Jacob went through it now. His brother's trying to kill him. I mean, he went through it. But when he had his firstborn son, he named him Manasseh because it means um, no more looking back. The future, I mean, the past is gone. The new is in front of me. And uh, I know that experience. I'm walking in some of those things in my own life where it's like, you know it happened and it led you to where you are today, but this is, I say it often, this is my Manasseh. Yeah. And so I, I, I love that idea that really, I couldn't really believe it. 
Like I would hear God say even in my life, struggles that I've been through, His Word says that He'll restore everything that the locusts have eaten, every broken place. But man, what a journey. And sometimes I just wanted to say, yeah, I don't believe it, but man, I believe it now. Yeah. No, I get that. Like going through that program, the first six months was me basically just one day after a time letting those walls break down unlearning a lot of um, lies that I've been living in and attempting to receive the truth Mm -hmm. and at that six months I started to actually get it that's good and that's why I needed a year-long program because I I needed long enough to unlearn the crap and and learn the goodness of God yes isn't it the truth? I'm thinking about what you said about being in the hospital and all those people were in line to, to see you because mm-hmm. they cared for you. They loved you. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think about it so often. I mean, it's about, it's about love. You know, letting God, I say to God, teach me how to let you love me. It's all about love. You don't feel like you're, I didn't feel like I was worthy of love. Or, but man, wow. Yeah. To let to, to let God love you and to, and to love yourself because you know how much you're loved by Him. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit more about just, tell us what you've, tell us what you're learning, right? What are you learning in your own heart with the work that you do? I mean, mm-hmm. you are, came through Renewed Life. Tell us about stepping into that leadership role after you, been a little while after you completed the program, but give us a little sure. bit about how how God works to redeem. Absolutely. So my journey, um, I got through uh, Renewed Life Ministries, and I graduated. And um, shortly after that, I worked for a treatment facility uh, for three and a half years. And for that three and a half years, um, I got to sit on the opposite side of the desk and really feel what my parents felt and um a lot of it was good and a lot of it was really bad um but the bad had purpose like the disappointment the just crushed expectations the heartbreak Mm. of seeing people die um as hard as that was to experience it was a blessing to finally see the ramifications of what addiction can do yes. to everyone involved in their life. Um, and so I got to learn all about that and learn empathy, learn boundaries, um, adhere to consistency, which, you know, that whole time I was in Renewed Life Ministries, I learned to trust people. And mm-hmm. um, I, I got to see how much I valued being trusted by the same people that I serve that I once was. Um, early recovery, learning to trust people, just testing their abilities, seeing if they'll come through on their promises. Right. Um, and I got to remind people that, you know, you don't trust me day one, but day 100, I guarantee you, you'll see my fruit and you'll trust me. Mm-hmm. And that was really good, um, being a leader, being, you know, becoming an administrative staff, uh, learning, you know, the ins and outs of a business, you know, right. because... Right. You know, every place that that helps these people is a business, and you have to see the background to see you know what it takes to make sure this well-oiled machine continues right. running and running runs with excellence. Um, 
uh, and then so the, the way I got into Renewed Life Ministries is um, it's pretty heartbreaking. But um, so for about two years, the director uh, Derek Faulkner, we had a great relationship. After I graduated, we I called him almost every day. Hmm. I mean, like he was my guy. You loved him. Yeah, I loved him dearly. And uh, he ended up getting esophagus cancer. Mm. And um, I remember my dad uh, preparing me for this, which I'm really thankful he's able to have hard conversations with me because um, I don't like living in fantasy. And um, he, you know, we had all prayed for Derek to be healed, but he got septus, um, septic one day. And my dad said, he's not going to live. Mm. And uh, as, as, as hard as that, was to hear I, I needed to be prepared for that and I'll never forget it was a Sunday afternoon me and my wife were at the gym and I got a call come to Vanderbilt now Derek doesn't have long and so we get there and um, he's on a ventilator and uh, he's about to die and we got to say our last goodbyes which was bittersweet mm-hmm. I was bawling like a baby and oh, I was just thinking in my mind like why lord would you take him but also knowing like he's good mm. he's good <laughs> he's going yeah. to the father's arms like yeah. just just let go and let these tears flow and mm-hmm. let's let's do this together um and um he named his board that he wanted me to take over before he died and uh, there's no question in my mind um it's time i got to do this you know, I need to do this. There's no question of whether I want to, whether I, you know, whether it makes sense. It's just step forward in faith, Mm -hmm. get out of your comfort zone and see how God produces the results. Yes. So you stepped into it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, it was really good. It was really hard. Um, Derek was the kind of guy that he had a lot of notes handwritten so I was like this investigator going through his desk nobody expected him to die right you know this all hit so quick so I'm now the executive director just trying to figure out how do I do this job mm-hmm. how do I lead these guys well yes you know how do I support my team I can only imagine <laughs> step by step yeah you figure it out day by day yeah I should be crazy overwhelmed I I, I want to um, a couple of things in my mind I want to bring up a, a couple of things I think it was I was looking at my phone I mentioned it to you earlier I was looking at my phone about um, when we've seen each other again when you were eight and then when you were a teenager we connected and then after that we didn't seen it we have not seen each other for years and probably about a year ago I'm just tootling around my life doing my work and you keep coming to my heart just keep coming to my heart and I thought man I gotta reach out to Blake I remember making that first I think I texted you I'm like hey you remember me (laughs) and uh, you're like yeah and it was so divine I got to spend time with you we ate together and just reconnected I saw your heart Uh, I saw the way the spirit works through you and in you and so meaningful for me for me uh, because you know a lot of people say a lot of things but I'm looking for people with fruit I'm looking for people who um, 
don't just check the boxes, but they really walk the walk and they live their message. It's few and far between. So I knew that very quickly when we connected and I asked you to take me over to your place to renew life and give me a tour. And man, I kid you not, walking around in there, I could feel the Holy Spirit, those couches and the the space and meeting your the guy that was in the, running the cafeteria it was so meaningful. Uh, I just remember looking at you th- saying, I am so proud of you. Wow, so meaningful. I won't forget that. Now I tell everybody, I'm like, if it comes up or there's a need for help, I love the way you put Christ first because there's no healing. There's no healing uh, in addiction without first knowing the truth about who you are. So uh, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're hitting on a good good note because, you know, working in the field of addiction, ministry, uh, recovery, you know, all of it, you see so many people that don't seek the kingdom first. They want a quick fix. Right. And you see them fizzle out or you see them fall away. And, you know, I know working in this this field, this ministry, uh, being in this for eight years, I hold on dearly to those that walk the walk and talk the talk. Mm-hmm. You know, that bear fruit, that abide in Christ, and it shows. You yes. know, it shows when they have dear people die in their life. It shows when they, um, they hit on really hard times. It shows mm-hmm. when they lose a job. I mean, seriously, serious things that would take people down. Right. And that's where you you see the the fruit. Mm-hmm. You and I were talking in there earlier. We got here a little bit early, and we were just chatting, and uh, we talked about the importance of whatever it takes, right, to step outside the box, to do whatever it takes to um, step outside of your comfort zone, to do whatever it takes to get healthy. You know, uh, I love the Lord, but I also realize that you got to have a healing plan. You gotta know how to get healthy emotionally, and uh, sometimes we don't we don't do some of those things. So, just talk a little bit, if you would, about just kind of what that means to you to step out of your comfort zone and how yeah how you think about that. Absolutely, um, it all started in early recovery. I think it was about four or six months. I was in the program, and uh, my church decided to do a fast. And I'd never done a fast. I always thought that was for religious weirdos. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, for this time, in this time, I had good soil to receive that message. And I did the fast for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I realized uh, I like really dark stuff. I like horror movies. Well, I should I say I liked past tense. I liked horror movies, um, just awful evil music. Um, just just some dark stuff and when I was in this ministry they didn't allow you to watch any of that stuff but I still had secular movies and music and things like that um, but in this fast I fasted from anything secular I fasted from any meat and I fasted from sweets um, and at first I was like you know I'm going to do this for the Lord but I really wasn't sure what the end result would be. And the end result far blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I realized what I allowed myself to uh, ingest and I realized that once I got out of my comfort zone and did the right thing the results were far better than being mm-hmm. temporarily pleased mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of set a trend right I started working out even though it was really hard I never worked out in my life consistently and I really liked it you know it was good for me it was good for my body it was good for my soul yes. um and then from there, I started eating better. You know, I really love sugary treats, just like everybody else. But I started actually watching what I put in my body. And I was like, wow, I have sustainable energy throughout the day. Like, I think these doctors were on to something, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and it just kind of set a trend for doing the next right thing, right. whether I liked it or not. And even though in the moment, I may, it may have been hard or may have been tough, but... I really like the outcome, right. you know. I mean, for all intents and purposes, in active addiction, I would drink some pretty nasty stuff to get a buzz. If I was willing to do that, for that outcome, I can do some hard stuff for a godly outcome. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the way I adhere to today. And, you know, it's it's really um, gone forth in, in the program from praying to people you know, which really took me out of my comfort zone to, to now I'm on the prayer team and now I speak in public, mm. which, you know, you see me over here fidgeting wiggling. and wiggling and, you know, <laughs> like scratching my face all nervous like, but like putting myself out there for the sake of the Lord, um, just yields great results. And I love, yeah. I love what it does. You know, yes. I love the doors it opens mm-hmm. up. I love what it does to my soul. I love you know, the fact that I get to serve other people and that's good for my heart. It's that right. serves the Lord. And like, mm-hmm. it comes from one of my favorite, uh, verses, which is, I think Galatians five thirteen, which is dear brothers and sisters to live out your freedom, to serve your, your flesh, but instead serve others in love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking about just, um, I think you and I talked about this. I think I watched a video or something for Renewed Life. We talked about, and you talked about um, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. I, I say that a different way. I'm like, you're, you know, your deepest wound is your greatest call. No test, right? I've heard you say that. We, we've No test without a testimony. I love the way God uses our brokenness for his glory. Um, and I, I'm finding, just like you said, that when you step into things, I mean, I can do a lot of good things, right? I've been doing counseling a long time. A lot of us have different things we can do well. But when you step out with God into territory that really, um, I've said this before on another podcast, a friend of mine told me about John Maxwell. Whenever you're doing something new, he said, you know, jump and find your wings on the way down. I love that. So, but when you step out in faith, I mean, it blows my mind. When he tells you to do it, just take the next step. So profound. It is, yeah. And that, and you find that strength, you know, just mm-hmm. as John Maxwell says, you know, find your wings on the way down. Like, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I go to speak, I'm, I'm terrified sometimes. Yeah. I'm just shaking in my wee little boots. <laughs> And but once I step on stage, the Holy Spirit meets me there. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Yeah. 
and it's I've a, learned. Amazing. Yeah, that's the process. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't scare me anymore. I still feel the nerves. I still feel the right. adrenaline. But once I get there, I know it's going to be good. Right. You know. Don't be afraid. I say it often. I think about what the fear of failure did to me. I was so afraid of fa- to fail that I wouldn't step into things. And when finally, it's been several years ago, it's like finally it took forever. But when that fear of failure, it's like, what if I'm not afraid of failure? Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, I'm going to fail. But if I get back up, man, it changed everything. Because if you'll step into it, he just, he meets you there every time. Yeah. Well, I know probably we are getting close to uh, to time. Uh, so I, I want to just kind of leave you with, with this. Um, anything you want to say at the end, anything you want people to know, anything about your heart. you got a great heart. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation and just... Um, but what, 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 anything coming to your mind as we close? You know, like my journey is peppered with fear and control issues. Mm. Um, but I, I always encourage people to, to step past those feelings. Mm. Acknowledge them, but step past them. Know God is bigger. Um, I watch a, a TV show with my kids called Bluey. And a lot of people are familiar with this I show. I just watched Bluey the yeah. first time. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's a treat. <laughs> and uh, and there's this one episode where this dog, they're all dogs, but he uh, he's pretend playing and he's about to go fight a dragon. And the other dogs ask him, aren't you scared? And he goes, yes, I'm scared, but I'll be the bravest I've ever been. And we have to be reminded mm. of where that bravery comes from. Yes. You know, it comes from the Lord. It comes from His promises. And a mind saturated in promises is, mm. is not easily lied to. That's right. And that's really what I'll leave with people. Well, that's so good. Blake, thank you. Thank you for coming and joining me. And thank you for what you're doing. And tell tell people if they're interested in Renewed Life uh, Ministries and uh, to, to partner and to be helpful or may need to know it for somebody in their family, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, the best way to reach me, um, if you would like to donate to Renewed Life Ministries, is renewedlifeministries.org. Um, you go to Apply Now um, if you know someone that needs our help, or you can go to Donate Now if you need um, to, to support us in any way. We appreciate that because it does take money to run this ministry. And then um, if you'd like to contact me at Renewed Life Ministries, you can contact me at 931 716 0733 and what I do is I not only help people um, get the help they need whether it's Renewed Life Ministries or another program because I like to serve as a liaison but I like to also help the parents because they need to know how to navigate this because they mm-hmm. heal too yes uh, you, you've spoken so much about your family that would be another podcast yeah that would yeah, be another podcast be another for podcast. sure my mom yeah. would have a lot to say about yes. that yes <laughs> yeah thank you Blake Thank you.